Aristotle's book, The, the Categories, really is his search for substance. Substance. Ultimate reality. The most real element of the world. Plato, of, of course, as you know, argued that the unchanging, immortal forms, ideas, are the most real things. That the physical objects that we experience are less real because they pass away, they change, they corrupt, they dissolve. If you see a cat, hmm, a cat for you is a cat for me, is a cat for Plato, is a cat for the ancient Egyptians. It's even a cat for my dog. It's unchanging. It's outside of time. It always is. And what always is, for Plato, has real being, or more being. Things that come and go and vanish have less being. Well, in categories, especially chapter 5, Aristotle puts Platonic uh, thinking on its head. He makes it clear that what can be most fully called substance is an individual object. This person, this horse, this chair. Don't be thrown off about his talk of secondary substances, the, the hierarchy of things, uh, the genus and species of, of creatures, which lead down to the individual creature. The individual is what is most real. So... He really wants to point out that this primary substance does not admit degrees. A chair either is or is not. A person either is or is not. This primary substance is what will admit contrary qualities. I can be I can be white. I can be pale-skinned. If I stand out in the summer sun, I will suddenly become burnt and red. Uh, I can take a pen and uh, dip it in pink ink, and now I've got a, a pink pen rather than a blue pen. Things can change. They can take on different colors. What was white can become black, for example. So the primary substance, the, the things in this world, can receive different, different, they can have different predicates. Remember, that is what the word categoria means in Greek. It's a predicate. We can say different things about the substance. You can change its place, its location. It's, uh, we can talk about it in time. All of those categories that were listed in chapter four of categories, they all depend on the physical unit, the simple thing in the world. It's the starting point. The existence of everything else depends on that particular little thing in the world. So when we talk about admitting, let's say, contrary qualities, you can see where he's going with this. The world changes. And what changes in the world? The things in the world change. Things in this world can change. How do they change? How is change possible? What do we mean by change? This is going to lead us into his discussion um, in the physics. Really, we're going to talk about hmm, what happens in change. In his book, The Physics, 
he'll start talking about four causes, material, formal, efficient, and final. But these causes are not to be thought of as causes in our modern sense. Rather, the word cause, it's the Greek word, aition, and it really is a principle of explanation, which must be fully understood if we are to really know a thing. In the case of a statue, for example, we need to know the material cause. What's it made of? Bronze? Marble? What? The formal cause. What, what shape does it have? Does it depict a dog? Is it a person? What, what's, the, what's the form? We need to know the efficient cause. What initiates the imposition of the form on the material? An artist, obviously. So an artist looks at a, a large rectangle of marble and says, Ah, I, this is what I will carve it into. Uh, think of Michelangelo looking at his gigantic block of marble and, as he said, I saw David in I had to release David from this marble. And of course the efficient cause really is a, a primary source of that change. And finally, there's a final cause. Why? Why did it come into being? Well, in the case of the statue, the the artist probably uh, had a contract to create a statue. But there's a there's a final cause. So we need to all know all these four things to explain, to fully explain something and why there was change. The material, what's it made of? What's the, the material substance here that's being changed? What kind of form is being imposed on it? Who is doing it? What, where, what is the source of that change? And why? It may be tempting to think of the material and formal causes to somehow lie within the object and the efficient and final causes outside the object. But this is not what Aristotle wants to get at. First, he's not really thinking here of the object, but of the process of change. In living things, these causes all coincide. So let's take a look at, uh, say, a pine tree seedling. It has a material cause of wood. That's what it's made of. It has a formal cause, pine treeness. If you saw a pine tree seedling, you wouldn't know, you wouldn't think it was an oak tree or a banana or you, it's a pine tree seedling. Okay, so it's got a form, a formal cause. Now, how do we fit in efficient causes and formal causes? How do we explain a pine seedling growing into a pine tree? What's the efficient cause? Well, the efficient cause here in all organism, natural organisms, is the formal cause. It is what pine trees do. A kitten has a formal cause of catness, and it grows into a cat. A kitten never grows into a dog or a tree. The formal cause, the form which the organism has, will guide or shape, direct, the method of development, the path of development. The last cause catches many people. That's the final cause, the, the purpose clause. And they say, wait a second here, you know, the purpose of a table is, or a chair, very easy to understand. I know what that is. But can we really talk about the purpose of a horse, the purpose of a pine tree? 
Do we want to say the purpose of a horse is pulling a wagon, or the purpose of a pine tree is to provide wood for buildings? Well, no, Aristotle does not want to say that, because in those cases, the final cause is external to the object. He wants to, to find a final cause inside the object. For the very same reason, he also does not mean that God is the efficient cause of the world, guiding the generation of all living things. God, too, for Aristotle, would be external. How can there be an internal cause, an internal aition, explanation for change? The answer lies, I think, in understanding what he means by the word telos. Telos is the end towards which the plant or animal moves. The organism does not have a plan or intention. Instead, every living thing develops in a way that is directed by something internal. A kitten always develops, providing the conditions are right, into a cat, never a dog. A pine seedling always grows into a pine tree, never an oak tree. In other words, in nature, the final cause and the formal cause come together. The purpose of every organic thing, every living substance, is to become an adult. And by an adult, he would mean able to reproduce. That is to say, able to provide the form into a new thing. I have used examples of things growing. The idea of growth is important here. The form inside a natural thing is what it is and shapes the development of that thing to move from a potential instance to an actual instance of the form. A kitten has the form of a cat, but is potentially a cat. It becomes an actual cat as an adult. Lastly, what is the efficient cause inside the natural thing? Again, the formal cause is what produces the changes, moving the thing or organism from seed to adult. So in general, the embryonic substance or thing can be called by what form it has. This form comes from the parent. The form does not arise from just anywhere. It must exist prior to the seed or the embryo. There must exist in actuality another actual substance containing that form. An animal must exist beforehand if an animal is produced. So, there is the age-old question, what came first, a chicken or the egg? Aristotle would say, a chicken must come before the chicken egg, in other words. <laughs>